Nature here is vile, Docolo. There is nothing left but fornication and misery. Hey, thank you for listening to the Documenteers podcast, the podcast about documentaries. And each week, Bob Sham, that's me, and another friendly enthusiast discuss, analyze, laugh at, and judge a different documentary. In September is Herzog Month, the month where we discuss films by the prolific and notorious German director, Werner Herzog. Eldridge's Herzog Month selection is not one where Werner directs, but is a film where he is the subject that is being documented, as he and Klaus Kinski and some producers and lots and lots of indigenous Peruvians go through the trial and tribulations during the making of the film Fitzcarraldo. We are, of course, discussing the film Burden of Dreams by Les Blank and Marine Gosling, and it's full of quotable Vernerisms. Hard to believe that a movie where a crazy dude insists on dragging a steamship through a jungle would have serious problems. Next week on the show is going to be pretty damn special because next week it's our 100th full-length episode. 100 documentaries we have watched, not even counting all the shorties episodes. Hard to believe we went that long. I guess everyone underestimated my ability to do a weekly documentary-themed podcast for little to no validation. To be honest, I probably underestimated my own ability to do so as well. Actually, I've talked to several people who enjoy the show and have talked to me about it, and I appreciate every single one of you. Appropriate that episode 100 goes down during Herzog Month. The Herzog movie we're going to discuss is Werner's 1999 dedication to his old friend and nemesis, Klaus Kinski, who had passed away just a few years prior. We discussed the film my best fiend and it's not that lame tommy wiseau movie that came out a year or two ago Werner and klaus's relationship was like no other and it often didn't even seem like a friendship how appropriate that the person discussing the documentary with me is my own special fiend stuart vaughn we started this podcast with a shit audio discussion of jim and andy the great beyond and we bookend an era with two fiends talking about Two fiends. Stewart is like my very own, more apathetic Klaus Kinski. There's going to be more to our 100th episode than just talking about a film. So tune in next week for all that fun. Music clips this month, not much and fairly stereotypical when citing German pop songs. You hear clips of the song, the hit song, 99 Luftballons by Nina. That's her name. Nina, she sang that song. Also, we state how Mick Jagger makes a movie called Jumping Jack Flash. A little confusion there because Jumping Jack Flash is a very well-known single by Mick's band, The Rolling Stones. There is a movie called Jumping Jack Flash, and it starred Whoopi Goldberg. And as far as I know, it doesn't star Mick Jagger. I've never seen it. The Mick Jagger movie I really meant to say was Free Jack. Remember that flick? I don't because I never saw it. I think Emilio Estevez was in it. Documenteerspodcast.com for more contact information and past ratings and links to episodes. Five stars in a review is what we eat. It's the only thing we need, like koalas with eucalyptus and pandas with bamboo. Five stars in a review on places like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher help keep us alive. And without them, we will just wither away in obscurity. Help others find us by doing that. We will be eternally grateful. The more our show grows, the better that is for you, and we appreciate it. Let's all go down the river, into the jungles of Peru, and make things harder than they need to be. That's just what it's like when you have the burden of dreams. Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. You wanted to know the story of Fitzcarraldo. It's a strange story, a little bit Sisyphus-like story, uh, a story of uh, challenge of the impossible. That is a, that it is a fun picture to see. Yeah. Eldridge. Hey. This is our 99th episode. Oh, snap. 
Yeah, 99. 99. Next week, Stuart and I will be discussing My Best Fiend, mm-hmm. which is about Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog's relationship. We see Klaus Kinski. We see both of those men in this film as well. Everything kind of ties together. Are you going to play uh, 99 Rot uh, Luft Balloons or whatever? Luft Balloons? 99 Red Balloons? <laughs> that might be second only to the Scorpions in terms of... <laughs> stereotypical german <laughs> music to play but why not let's play it right now whoa, whoa 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 first of all you're forgetting about a little um industrial metal band from the arts oh uh, you who, mean rammstein du hast me du du hast so rammstein mm-hmm. the scorpions yeah and uh i think her name is nina something Yeah, sure. That seems 99 about right. Loof Balloons. Yeah. Loof Balloons. <laughs> oh, okay. God. All right. I'm not going like, to make up German words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I took German in high school and I actually did pretty well in it. But... Yeah. I used to speak it fairly like, no, I was I was terrible, but I could get around. Yeah. But like, I can't do a shit now. I can count. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Eins. <laughs> Even then, if I got, get too high, it. Uh, becomes dangerous podcasting mit einer kameraden that's probably like i probably didn't conjugate that probably whatever i know all the <laughs> feminines and masculines and all that conjugation shit. man that's the that's the hard part of languages you kind of when when you steep yourself into the studies of it that's the problem there's no encouragement in our adult life to carry no. forth Mm-mm. well i mean if we just maybe had went to europe or something maybe yeah. but we didn't yeah, I ain't rich, God. But when, but you start to develop an instinct for it. Yeah, you and do. It's kind of amazing how it links in. But when I'm trying to occasionally, you know, not every documentary we do is in English, so yeah. I'm often trying to translate things, and I always have to remind myself, like the way English is structured is just so different than the way a lot of other. That's what happens are. when you start mixing romance languages with dirty, dirty, dirty non-romance languages. And so much of the English language is also taken from varieties of languages. You don't say uh, red pants in, in, in Mexico. You say pants red. Yeah, pretty much. Our swaths of this film were in multiple languages. That's true. English, German, uh, indigenous parts throughout Peru. Espanol. Espanol. Yeah, they were rocking. Eldridge, you picked for Herzog Month your episode Burden of Dreams. Burden <laughs> What's this about? What's Burden of Dreams about? Well, it's about, you could say it was about a lot of things, like most of these documentaries, but I'll lump it in a few categories here. So we have the documentary about the making of Fitzcarraldo. I watched Fitzcarraldo before I watched this. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Nerd. You know what? (laughs) That was like a week ago. We're a little delayed in in our session. But full disclosure, I just finished watching A Gear of the Wrath of God. Which is also a Klaus Kinski Herzog film. Yeah. That also takes place in Peru. How about that? How about that? Just killing two birds with one stone. So, yeah, documentaries about that. You could also say the documentaries about borderline, maybe socio ethnic. Is it socio ethnic something? I don't know. But they're talking about the disparities between the indigenous folks in Peru and all few other latin american countries yes we can we can go for that angle and then we could also touch a little bit on just some human drama that i don't want to get into quite yet yeah sure yeah but just there's those are the main topics i'm seeing when i was watching Fitzcarraldo, i it seemed to me it was the first time i'd ever seen it all the way through um and there were parts where i was like it seemed like herzog was trying to make a social statement what's Fitzcarraldo about it's about it's based on this dude that actually existed that mm-hmm. became a big rubber tree baron. Yeah. But uh Klaus Kinski plays a guy named Fitzcarraldo. He's actually supposed to be an Irishman. He's got like another name and shit, but they call him Fitzcarraldo. Because his name is Fitz uh it was Fitzhugh or something uh, like that. Fitz Fitzgerald? Yeah, Fitzgerald. That's and right. Latin American people for some reason can't say Gerald. Fitzgeraldo. Yeah. <laughs> and so they go to the they they look on this map and they want to get to this point. Part of this river that is impossible to get to. And so they go to a point where the the rivers are the closest to where they meet. And when they get to that point, they drag a ship, a steamship across that 
they call it like a mountain. It's like a big hill. Yeah, but, giant hill. But still, that doesn't make it less like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. To get to the other side. Where there's another river. Yes. And they do get to the other side of the river. And um, also, Werner Herzog is using actual indigenous people yeah. in his film. Sure it's is. Something, and it's something that I also saw in Aguirre the Wrath of God. You see mm-hmm. indigenous people as actors there. And at some point after they've moved that steamship across that landmass, they succeed. Some of the indigenous folk rebel and like cut loose the ship. In the real life version. Cut loose the ship. Yeah. As a sacrifice and, to the river gods. And they and they cut and the ship ends up they don't get to the rubber tree forest. No. But it it starts going through these rafts, but miraculously the rafts that they refused to initially go down that part of the river for, mm-hmm. they survived them. Yeah. And they kind of floated back in. And Fitzgeraldo mm-hmm. makes a lot of his money back by selling back the steamship to the nearest town. Somehow a steamship makes it through raging river rapids. And it's also about opera as well. Yeah, because the whole point is that I'm a rubber baron. I want to show off how rich I am and by proxy my land or whatever you want to call it, his city. So he's like, yeah, best way to do that is to host an opera. I mean, every rich person in every major city does it. Look at how fancy I am. I'm going to support the arts. <laughs> yeah, at the end, he gets the opera people from an Italian company that he loves, yeah. and he actually sends them there. What's interesting is he makes the Fitzgeraldo character. Opera is the only really high-end thing that he seems to like. Sure. Because other points, he's just living in the town. Yeah. And he's Klaus Kinski, so Klaus Kinski is always kind of playing himself. And so he's like half crazy as well and ringing bells and pissing people off. Yeah, it seems about right. So they had to drag a boat in this film. So guess what Werner Herzog wants to do to make this film? Hmm. I, I'm i thinking he probably wanted to make it as you know reasonable as possible. So he probably used some sort of a replica boat is what I'm thinking. <laughs> sort like, of? Yeah, maybe a replica boat. That's what a reasonable person would do, right? Where it's just a, like a very... Almost like it's made of balls. Yeah, that's probably easily drag it. Oh, I, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, that's no. right. Yeah, I did see. He, he... actually does essentially <laughs> what Fitzcarraldo in the movie's doing, except for even the regular Fitzcarraldo back in the day, the original had enough common decency to say, "Hey, let's take this thing apart and do this." No, Werner's like because he's dedicated to actualizing metaphors it's not enough that metaphors are on a we kind of get a flawed herzog here he is very flawed here we get a bitter herzog here Mm -hmm. we i'm I'm kind of uh, in awe of his dedication to his art form but at the same time there are moments where i'm like come on Werner. yeah come on you're gonna get someone killed or just you're really inconveniencing people and you're not getting that much gain from it but he does pay pretty well 350 a day I, they I didn't say it. that was an American. That's yeah, true. I doubt that was an American. If that was an American, it's like, yo, they're, that's good for today. No, that's, that's how good. you destabilize the entire economy of a region. No joke. There was this African king who did that. He was on. He was taking the Hajj. He was just paying people in gold left and right. And he completely destabilized the economies of Central <laughs> Africa. So he had to actually go back through on his way back from the Hajj and say, hey, hey, guys, we, we need to take that gold off you. We need to... Cause you're, we're, we fucked up. <laughs> so you're not a supporter of Andrew Yang is what you're saying. I don't know who that is, but oh, I'm going to cool. say a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole different podcast. But no, he was paying well. He's paying good money. And they said it was twice the average, double the average amount. Yeah. The average of what, that region or where he's from? I'm thinking it's just for indigenous workers from the area, whatever they're making in Peru. Like we said, we don't know if that's yeah. an American. It's not clarified. It could be in like. Plus, you're not really going to impress me if the average rate is $1.50 and it's like, hey, I'm going to pay you $3. (laughs) Now, Eldridge, you could imagine that making a film where about a guy who drags a heavy ass ship across a big ass hill. Yeah. And thus also doing that same thing as you make the film. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot of problems in the process of making this film. If only the dragging the ship over the hill was the only problem he had or even close to the biggest problem i feel like sure that was the most tense issue that he had to deal with but there were plenty of other smaller issues that seemed like they were piling up very quickly initial issues happen very quickly because Werner likes to utilize actual indigenous people in his films but the problem is he's at this uh i forget what part he was initially and uh or what this tribe is the uh 
the, the Agaronas or the Agalumia. I'm going to try and repronounce it. It was we're going to we're going to get a lot of shit wrong. Yeah. But this is uh, Peru and Ecuador were approaching a border war. I guess mm-hmm. Ecuador was like, yeah, we got some mainland land that we want. So this initial tribe, part of them are like, yo, we don't want this fucking German weirdo coming around. My favorite is when they start saying, you know, he's German, right? Have you seen the Holocaust pictures? <laughs> <laughs> like, no joke. They start pulling out Holocaust pictures to show the indigenous. It's like me being a white Southerner. People are like, your slavery is your fault. You've heard of slavery, right? That's, he's going to do that to you guys. I did love that part where Werner's playing uh, soccer with the locals. Ah, uh, dude. Werner, to me, is the quintessential center for... No, no. He's a quintessential striker. Kind of stocky. He just buys this guy off the ball. Quick turn. Left footed shot. It was amazing. I knew you'd be into that. Yeah. That, and that, I knew you would be able to properly analyze yes. that three seconds of footage we saw. From those three seconds, I could tell, you know what? I'd have him on my, on my rec league team. Sure. He could play striker for me. Werner rescues a fawn from the river. That was really sweet. Yeah. Remember when the baby deer comes up? And I was wondering if they were going to just... I was thinking, man, this is Werner Herzog. He's going to say this thing. And two seconds later, we're going to see this thing on a spit, like <laughs> <laughs> rotating over a fire. But they didn't show anything else. So I'm assuming the fawn was safe. But a lot of the natives in this region are seeking a collective representation, which I can get behind that. You have to do that. You can't stand alone. Unionize, baby. Yeah. Tribal council wants to arrest the tribes that are associating themselves with the film. And yeah, like you said, they're showing pictures of dead bodies that actually are far removed from what they're doing now. And they're saying, look, that's what they did. This is what they do. World War II wasn't that far off in 1979. I mean, there's some people that were still alive that are thinking, ooh, I remember hearing about German people. I'm uh, picturing an indigenous Peruvian they're told this man is a German. Don't know what that is. They turn to their cousin who's been to cities and is like, go find information about Germany. <laughs> oh, and then God. they come back. It's like, whoa, guys, we got to talk. <laughs> some brutal pictures. <laughs> I don't know what you heard. But, <laughs> but there's all kind of rumors going on. And I spread rumors we, we would uh, slaughter them and take the grease out of their bodies and cook the grease. And that we would rape their women and that we would... Uh, do any kind of harm to them. There were other rumors by the press that we were smuggling arms, that we had, while we were shooting, that we destroyed their fields, but we are not shooting yet. There were rumors that uh, we had for, on our demand, four Aguaruna Indians were arrested who were in opposition against us, which is a blatant lie, and it can be checked easily. Not even the Council of the Aguarunas does th- maintains that anymore. We know Werner's not a rapist or a murderer. I mean, I guess. I mean, we all are descendant of those, but yeah. but Werner is not that. So it seems like they're desperate to just get the fuck rid of him, despite the fact he pays three fifty a day. In fairness, though, you have to think of the indigenous people's history of that area, and it seems like every time some new person comes, a lot of people die or get sick. That's true. That's true. And sure, they may have met a lot of Europeans, but they may not have come across many Germans. So they're like, hey, this is a new type of European. We don't even know. But Werner's like, we are very small. There is a genuine fear of an elements of a tribe coming to attack the production crew. And he's like, we are necessary as an enemy that can be beaten because I will not dare to attack uh, the uh, the military camps they will not dare to attack uh, the petrol companies but since we are small we we may be uh, we may be the losers we gotta go yeah. and the aguilonas burn the camp after they yeah. leave. they like light the shit on fire they were in real danger i think they were definitely in danger but filming begins 1500 miles el- elsewhere in a small town of peru this town is much more welcoming and more remote I find I think that may have, may have helped the welcoming nature because if you're an indigenous person who's constantly coming in t- contact with big city folks, you probably don't have a good feeling about them. But if you're more remote, you don't have as much experience. So as long as you come in cool, maybe they'll treat you better. Now, initially, the actor who was going to play Fitzcarraldo was a guy named Jason Robards, who had yeah. to duck out because that, that, sick. Motherf- that motherfucker got dysentery. <laughs> 
Yeah. This is Terry. That's nothing serious. to joke about. Yeah. He he's like, I'm out. That's some no joke. And he was an older man, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you hear someone like over the age of 60, you'd be like, oh, did you hear that Abe? Because that's what old people yeah, are. Yeah, they're named. all named Abe. Has dysentery. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, God, he's probably not going to make it. <laughs> no, assume, he's not coming out. I assume Jason Robards made it, made it out all right. But fuck, dysentery, that's some brutal shit. But there were some side effects to losing their main guy because then with the delay from losing him and having to reshoot, they lose the Jagger. Mick Jagger plays Fitzcarraldo's sidekick, a simple-minded actor named Wilbur. Fucking Mick this Jagger. Ca- this character got cut completely. Yeah, you can't replace Mick Jagger. But Mick Jagger. <laughs> Death, since I cannot prove a lover to entertain this farewell-spoken days, I am determined to prove a villain and hate He was cast as Fitzcarraldo's buddy, Wilbur the Simpleton. Wilbur, you are definitely my man. And he was, I mean, if you're going to cast Mick Jagger in a part, you better make it one that he can play. (laughs) He's just doing I Am Sam over and over again in every feature that he does. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. We I mean, we've, we've got we've got that part covered. <laughs> Look, I watched Fitzcarraldo. I thought it was pretty good. I liked the gear of the Wrath of God better. Mm-hmm. And I also liked his remake of Nosferatu a lot better. But Fitzcarraldo's okay. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it on Viceland a few times. It is impressive in its own way when you understand the whole breadth of it. Yeah, it's it's a feat that Werner Herzog and his crew set out to achieve, and I'd, I'd say they did it. But man, a movie with Jason Robards, specifically with Mick Jagger playing a simpleton, I'd have watched the jack fuck out of that. Yeah, that pro- the movie probably would have been an iconic masterpiece <laughs> of Herzog's canon, canonical, all the big fancy college words you can think of to describe this man. It would have been amazing. So that's Halt's production again. Mick Jagger can't be waiting around for that. I mean, the 70s, late 70s, the Stones were still on it. Tattoo You was ready to come out and be on tour. But Werner admits Jagger is a big loss. It would have been a very high-profile thing. Um, And eventually we would see Mick Jagger again in, what, Jumpin' Jack Flash or some shit. But Werner, he says, If I abandon this project, I would be a man without dreams. And I don't want to live like that. I, I I live my life or I end my life with this project. Not melodramatic at all. So uh, <laughs> that's why you bring in a little dude, Mr. Intensity, Klaus Kinski. The man, the myth, the legend. He's a, he's a, he's a very legendary person. There's so many certain things in this film. Like if you watch Fitzcarraldo, it's all coming through the perspective of the Fitzcarraldo narrative. Mm-hmm. But if you watch Burden of Dreams... And you remember a lot of how things were shot in Fitzgeraldo. Burden of Dreams shows you everything that was kind of going on around the production. Hmm. So the reality of how people were living their lives. Like there's a yeah. kid just floating in a bucket. Oh, uh, yeah. floating around <laughs> in a bucket. And it was like, it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, for that kid until he starts realizing what poverty is and stuff. I mean, that's how it always works. Everything's yeah. fine until you've there's, taken from the there's, tree there's, of knowledge. There's no such thing as poverty until Europeans show up. Yeah, that's right. But Werner, he gets a steamboat. And this steamboat allegedly had a peace treaty from a war between Peru and Colombia signed yeah. on it. Oh, that's pretty nice. We'll have to take his word for it. I mean, he had three boats. He had one boat for the sailing, or for the steaming, I guess, since it's a steamship. He had one boat for the hauling. Yeah. And then there was, wasn't there a third boat? And I think the third boat was just for random shots or something like that. Maybe it was just Yeah, yeah. And they ended up having to build, like, a shell of one later. Yeah. Because some, oh, because one got, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> a lady named Claudia Cardinal plays uh, Molly. And they had to repair the steamboat and replace the engine. This thing was kind of old. Yeah. They had to take the boat 2,000 miles south to a new jungle location. Good God. Now, there was nothing to stop Werner from just going, like, a couple miles downriver and being like, oh, this will yeah. is, this is, this yeah. do. But Werner, dedicated he doesn't, he's not satisfied with metaphors just being in, in your yeah. John Steinbeck novel. Because no, the thing sir. about metaphors is they have to be as literal as possible. Yeah, he <laughs> likes to bring them to life. From Iquitos, under the best of circumstances, it takes a full day to reach the camp by air. 
with the last leg in a small single-engine plane, and over two weeks by boat when the rivers are navigable at all. Since Herzog admits he could shoot most of Fitzcarraldo right outside Iquitos, some people think the remote jungle location is just another example of his insistence on making things tough. Please, Werner, <laughs> don't make a documentary about the crucifixion. Yeah, people Please. have lives. They they need those arms. He'll be on a cross, like, yeah. <laughs> action, piss <laughs> <like>, me. <laughs> he feels as if when people are out in the remote wilderness, they will respond in ways that they will not respond when they're close to civilization. Maybe there's something to that. There is know. something to that. Maybe there is. He's taking he's taking control. He's taking advantage of a foreign situation and taking control. Just like Klaus Kinski's character, Aguirre, did in Aguirre, The Wrath of God, when Ooh. he did a mutiny against his fellow conquistadors. Damn, I might have to see that movie. The problem with this ship is that it's big, and it happens to be kind of dry for yeah. a rainforest at this time. It's kind of funny. There's points where there's not enough water, and then later there's like way too much water. But <laughs> Werner is pretty good at providing items and goods. I wonder who's behind the production of this. Is it like a German film company? Yeah, you know it had to have been the, the PA because the director, I mean, I, you know, you love a director, but it's really the production people. They're the ones taking care of all the good stuff. Although the uh, production company is Werner Herzog. Film production. Any minute thing that did not fit Werner's satisfaction, he wasn't just going to let that go. Yeah, it's a real D. <laughs> there was a turkey on a boat ride, and that led me to Google if turkeys were indigenous to South America. Turkeys are indigenous throughout the Americas. Yeah. Good to know. Fun facts. Sham facts, we'll call them. Yeah, sham facts. Werner rushes a ship onto the river to shoot when it looks like you're he's clear to like get down there. But the engine is not strong enough and the boat is at risk of being stuck. This yeah. is just one. I thought that was a combination of the the engine was okay, I guess, but there weren't they took all the ballasts out to get the boat to where it needed to be. Yeah. And the ballast being the thing that keeps the the weights that keep the, the boat securely in the water and the propellers pushing through the water but without the ballast the propeller was up too high couldn't get any force which i thought was kind of funny through this because let's just face it Werner herzog's a melodramatic type guy that's why we all love him yeah and as this boat is well i'm, I'm maybe i'm cutting you off hate to cut in front no, of you but please. i'm doing it but as he's doing this they're realizing oh shit this boat is not able to go forward it's crashing into the rocks it, they're literally on the boat you see Werner freaking the fuck out <laughs> and they're playing freaking Pagliacci though <laughs> you know the one with the clown like oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's like oh my god this is a bit on the nose but at the same time I'm living for it. I'm living for everything that is happening in that moment. I like that part where Werner was navigating the branches with a cigarette in his mouth. Like <laughs> yeah, a, he looked like, so cool. Like a street tough. <laughs> yeah. I finally quit smoking after 18 years, but I remember, I'll never forget, mm -hmm. when I first started staring at myself in the mirror with a cigarette hanging out, thinking that I looked badass. So cool. See, I never thought that. Every time I tried that, I had a cigarette in my mouth, I just thought, God, I look like a child sucking on a toy cigarette. <laughs> no, nah, dude, you looked cool. Yeah, I think I, you know what? Yeah, man. Let's start smoking again. Yeah, let's start smoking. I quit smoking. Yeah, fuck that. We're going yeah, back. Yeah, dude, I'm going in so hard. We should just go straight to crack while we're at it. It's a gateway. You guys can't see this, but Bobby looked at me like, maybe? No. no, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say no. <laughs> he didn't say no. I didn't say no. His silence was not a, what the fuck are you talking about? It was more of a, maybe? And just once. What? Just once. Eventually, we'll get the wine enemas. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. No, I want a wine tampon. Well, yeah, okay. Good. God, don't judge me. <laughs> judge you? I'll be right by you. I mean, you're already... Yeah, okay. Helping you out with it. Thank probably. you. I was about to say, I was getting very upset. This is not a weird sexual thing. It's just people do it. And they, they say the drunk is quite good. Boat is stuck. <laughs> no force to push it. I'm sure it's not there anymore, but I like in my brain I like to think that it's still sitting there. Well, I mean, one of the boats is still there. Really? Yeah. There's a uh, the remains of the steamer used in the movie in Madre de Dios region. So the boat is there's still a boat there. One of the steamers is just camped out there in the Madre de Dios. So the what is that? The Mother of God region? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, in southeastern Peru. Wow, cool. We should go. Yeah, it's go pretty, look at it. It's pretty gnarly. It's uh, I think it's pretty hard to get to. It is 
is in there. Yeah, judging by the <laughs> fact that it's never moved, has not moved in thirty years. Yeah, people were just thinking, yeah, that that boat's chill. We're leaving that. Well, shit, almost forty years actually. Uh, there's a part where well, Werner has to build up a mock boat, kind of like a skeleton version of it. And then there's a recreation of the scene. It's actually really well shot in the film itself, where tribes as they're nearing this area, and they cut all the trees down. Mm-hmm. And you see trees like crashing into the water to block yeah. the ship. And then the camera pans over and it and the other side it crash. It's really beautifully shot. I mean, Berger's got skills. No, he does. He's definitely a good cinematographer and director. And there's a part where all the canoes are approaching the mm-hmm. ship. Lentamente, despacio, despacio. But they have to go back because one woman in yellow was slightly <laughs> out of position. Senores, todas las canoas atrás que siguen. They were kind of laughing a little bit. <laughs> and Vern is like, you must go back. You must go back. Go back. Go back. It was a little ridiculous. Yeah. Like multiple days because it had to be shot at the golden hour, right at sunset. It's about a one hour period. Now in this film, Fitzcarraldo manages to utilize the assistance of these indigenous people. And Werner also does that. Within the making of this film, he uses mm-hmm. indigenous cultures as actors. Yeah. And all locals that came from various areas. Some were flown in and some walked four days just to be in this movie. It's good money. You got nothing better to do. Things are always at a stopping point. Things are often, things will go, go and be very stressful and then people will do no, nothing. Like a producer goes. There's no action. No action. Oh, we're going to have an interview. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here. Very satisfied. And they have to shoot in the golden hour. That one hour before the sun sets. That sweet, sweet golden hour. I mean, the light is really nice then. Really is. Now, Werner discusses his his ideas with utilizing uh, the natives as actors. In this case, we will probably have one of the last feature films with authentic natives in it. They are fading away very quickly. And it's a, a catastrophe and a tragedy that's going on. And we are losing riches and riches and riches. And we lose uh, cultures and individualities and languages and mythologies. And we'll be stark naked at the end. We'll end up like all the cities in the world now. Mm-hmm. And he's not tr- he says he's not trying to document, but stylize. And it's important to him that they actually act. Yeah. They don't have to fucking, you know be clark gable and shit up in this no one case. has to cry on command their presence yeah. especially since you know they are from the region they really don't need to act that hard no it's, it lends authenticity i don't feel like doing a documentary on on the compass and it uh, it should not end up as a ethnographic film i also stylize them and i have them in the film as they probably are not precisely in their in their normal life they do things that they normally would not do. They act in that film. And that interests me even more. And it seems like Werner, if you can just do a dead stare towards a direction, it seems like Werner could use you. Yeah, that's what he wants. At some point, a man and a, his wife were hit by arrows in the night. Yeah, there was a raid on their on their camp. Yeah, which fortunately a lot of people didn't, like more than this didn't happen, but this was like fucked up because... Well, it wasn't really their camp. They were a little bit of ways outside, but still, they were attacked. These tribes aren't monolithic. Many of them are like uh, at odds with one another. Yeah, and and there's discussion of a risk of a raid by the Araqua. I, I, I just yeah, I'm, sure, sure, yeah, that sounds right. And often the river is low. Mm-hmm. That's why the boat got fucking stuck because yep. it was too low to move. Often uh, tribes folk will come to the river to gather turtle eggs. Yeah, and it's easier when there's low tide or low river, as you call it. They're at a certain position of particular vulnerability where if they got a full-on attack, there probably wouldn't be much they could do about no, it. No, probably not. And Werner states, I, I'm, run, I'm running out of fantasy. Very quotable movie. <laughs> I'm running out of fantasy. I'm running out of fantasy. Now that's a quote. I find that, like, for instance, one of my favorite musicians is Bjork, which you've talked about in the show before. Sure. And sorry that not everyone in my party picked up the vibes I was putting down. But that's for <laughs> another time. That's for another time. Yeah, you're just trying to start an orgy. Look, I mean, look, you're only going to be 30 once. Anywho, I digress. Actually, 35, whatever. I find people who speak English as a second language, and they're really trying to speak, they find words that native speakers don't normally find. 
Do you know what I mean? Sure. Just they they turn a phrase in just a way that our brains don't think because we're born with this language, you know. But anyways, yes, yeah, very quotable. Man, there's a sport shown in here, like an indigenous sport they the do. Arrow catching, yeah. That's kind of badass. They weren't shooting real arrows though. Well, you don't no, that doesn't it's still a challenging thing. I mean, who hasn't done arrow catching? I've done that before. I have not. <laughs> I mean, not. I really have, but they were with training arrows, and you weren't shooting them in full force. It's pretty cool, though. It's impossible. I never caught one. The fact they were catching any, I thought, was amazing. Yeah, they were nailing it. Well, the problem was he wasn't getting the shots that he wanted because the greatest arrow catchers were up counter-rating. <laughs> While the raiding party is away, Herzog films the traditional game of arrow catching. But he fails to get what he wants because the best arrow catchers are upriver with the raiding party. The greatest arrow catchers, they were elsewhere. Look at the best. He totally was. Like, you see these kids out there giving their all, and he's just, nah, these, these kids, these I, kids are not They're good. okay. <laughs> we'll be doing Cave of Forgotten Dreams with Ginger uh, later this month. Yeah, yeah. And there is a similar scene where... Werner wants someone to do an athletic thing very well, and it's not very good, and he looks <laughs> it not being great. The uh, Paleolithic men was better than you, I guess. I would hate to disappoint Werner Herzog. It would really hurt me. Barely you level. can. This proves it. No, I would never disappoint Werner. He keeps <laughs> the arrow that was in the dude's neck, and he saves it. For his freaking kid. You're going to keep the arrows? Well, yeah, maybe for my little son. He will be excited to know that this went through a man. That's a cool dad. <laughs> yeah, I would want that if Come I was on. a kid. Wouldn't you want a dad to be like, this is in a dude's neck? Yeah, it was in a dude's neck. This is real deal shit right here. I feel like with that statement, Werner understands kids. He does understand kids. At least young boys. He's a child himself, truly. Would you say he's a man-child or a child at heart? Does he dream? Does he Werner, dream? he's always talking about <laughs> dreams. Oh, God. <laughs> So man-child. <laughs> yeah, man-child. Camp life is fairly normal. Uh, there's a woman who's talking, who, who comes from a tribe, and she talks about how she had to convince her friend, her friends, that when they saw the camps, to not be scared of things like va vaccines and gringo food. She's like, yeah, yeah, they're fine. They're not killing us. They're not going to kill you. This isn't like 300 years ago. Yeah, this isn't like 50 years ago. <laughs> I mean, we're... Our culture is just on the verge of decimation now. <laughs> yeah. It's already kind of too late. Yeah, it's, we're, we're done here. These are some of the good ones. Yeah, these are the good ones. There are separate camps between the crew and the Indians. Separate but equal. So, whoa. <laughs> hey. Now, Werner explains that he didn't want to contaminate the cultures of the indigenous people. It's important to him that they're there. Ooh, what did yeah. you think about this? What did, what did you think? I mean, what I just said, separate but equal, which, as we know, is always a farce. And, you know, Werner started the movie off kind of on a sour footing for me personally because he said something along the lines of the savage Indians or the savage natives. And I thought, okay, maybe he's just being whatever. But time and time throughout the movie, you're presented with the reality of the time period that the movie is taking place in, mm. the documentary, I should say, and the time period that Werner Herzog is from. So it was a little problematic. And in Herzog movies, like, no, the so far, as I'm making my way through the features, no one's good. Like, there's no, no. real good guys. No. How can there be? There's just evil men and then victims. And then the victims are probably victimizing somebody, too. It's just a, it's a circle of life, except for life is a victim. Yeah, the people you think are victims, you feel sorry for them, then they start, like, chopping up a parrot and then you're like oh <laughs> yeah complicated feelings yeah big fish gets eaten by bigger fish i don't know i can see at least the in good intentions of what he's trying to do here but you think he should have just passed around the schnitzel and the and the the belgian beers yeah and yeah. be like look have this try this and i i do kind of i say that i did a very hot take on that my goal has been trying not to have so many hot takes in my life but as I look back on that, I have a hot take every fucking day. Are you blogging your hot takes? Uh, no. Then you're fine. You're so just good. you're just a normal person. I have a hot take machine in my head, but when I when I see this stuff, I'm thinking, you know, there's something to be said about not hanging out and sharing all your beer with people who don't have a lot of experience with alcohol. You know, just things like that. Sharing your food, your fatty food, with people who don't get a lot of fatty food intake. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's best because I don't know. I it's hard to tell. There's social norms that are different. You're not. It's in the end of the day, it's a film set, not a cultural exchange. Sure. And if you have people mingling together, there's going to be social norms that you don't get. 
things that are going to go unsaid that need to be spoken. Or we could all like learn from each other. It's fine. Look, I'm not a fancy schmancy man, mm-hmm. but if you were like, I've got this super nice bottle of wine, I'll be like, okay, tonight we drink super nice wine. I think the, the more reasonable equivalent would be you're not a fancy man and someone's wrote up to you and said, hey, I've got this uh, termite paste that I've ground up and mixed with my spit. You want to try that? Look, man, I'm pretty down. <laughs> so okay. I, I, I believe you, Bobby. <laughs> I think I think the, the downside is probably when Klaus is having to maybe drink this beverage. Speaking of spit. All through the upper Amazon, Indians drink masato, an alcoholic beverage made from a vegetable called yuca. It's an important food source, making up a large part of the Indian's diet. It's also an essential part of almost every activity from morning till night. Kinski looks fucking, I mean, he naturally looks miserable all the time anyway. Yeah, he looks pretty messed up. You can't go anywhere. You can't go. You can't escape of this fucking stinking camp because you never know when they call you because you have to be here because you're paid for. You're in the contract, so you can't just go. It means you are completely captured here. Completely. You go from there to there and from there to there. That's all what you can do. So of course it's you. At least you have this view. He just got resting misery face. Sure does. But boy, is he like he's very snap snappy. Well, they were trying to have him drink this drink, which is made of a yucca plant, the roots of the yucca. Masato. Yeah, masato. It's like yucca fermented with human spit. That's right. They peel the yucca, they chew it, they spit it. They spit yeah. it out, they mush it, they water it, and they ferment it. Whew. I was having a hard time seeing that. What if this is like the best liquor you ever drink? I highly doubt. Oh, no. I went to Puerto Rico and they have these nice yuca chips. Oh, yeah? God, they're so good. I still think of, they have so many ways. They have so many ways to prepare yuca in South America and the Caribbean. God, I would have tried it. I would have tried it. You would try Masato. I would try. Ooh, I have a hard time with the spit part, but I feel like if it's fermented, it's probably going to be okay. Klaus is very paranoid about the spit booze. They ended up giving him a different thing. Right? They gave him some milk, some sweetened condensed milk. It seemed like he was a little worried that it was still spit booze. He was wrenching out in his bowl and everything. And I'm just thinking, guy, you're far more dangerous to these people who have very little immunity to Western illnesses, <laughs> mofos. Get over yourself. Klaus buys arrows for three fifty. Mm-hmm. That's some good money. That's good money in 1989. Heck yeah. And Peruvians sell Polaroids for the same price. It's like 10 bucks back then, right? Nailed Probably it. even more. Maybe 15 more. Polaroids were, look, Polaroids are hot now. Polaroids are hot now. Because sure. the, the 80s and the 90s are like everyone's into them Instant right nostalgia. It comes to the part where they have to drag this fucking boat because they're actually going to do it in real life. Yes, they are. There's, there's kind of like a, a, a crude pulley system going on. They get a bulldozer to clear the mountain path. They say mountain. It looks like just a big hill. It's a knob. I'd call it a knob. And then suddenly, you know, remember how we said the river was too low and shit? Mm-hmm. Well, now there's just an exceptional amount of rain. In the too rain much forest. rain. Who, who would have thought, right? In the fucking rainforest? <laughs> Why really? is it raining this much in this damn rainforest? And the delays are requiring the Indians to stay longer and group tensions arise. They're not people used to living in large groups together. For very long periods of time. Without just being able to run off into yeah. the jungles and stuff. Yeah, it keeps tensions low. They they, yeah, they have to stick around in case things open up. Yeah. Even though they're making pretty good money, especially for the time. Hey, money ain't everything. Well, I mean, I say money ain't everything because there was an argument breaking out. Somebody's man was doing something because there are too many women that oh. were upset. Remember, like, because they were sitting there and they were talking about tensions rising and this one woman was saying, well... Your man's gone, and my, I was thinking, ooh, somebody, see, they're mad at each other. I'm thinking some man did something here. Somebody needs to come get oh, their mans, because yeah. he was acting up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these were like, we want to fight over a man like a man. They said they wanted to fight like a man. Yeah, fight like men with knives. <laughs> yeah, there's a woman holding like a big-ass blade. No, she was ready to go. It was like, oh, shit. I wouldn't mess with her without with a blade, without a blade. I'm staying away from this lady. I ain't going to lie. As Johnny would say. He always says, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. Ain't gonna lie. Truth be told. I uh, thought that was kind of hot. <laughs> I, why did I know you were gonna say that? Angry woman holding a big knife. I was like, what? what? These feelings hmm. inside you know, of me. What's wrong with me? See, I'm I'm there with you. But for me, I prefer my anger to be far more seething and under the surface with mm-hmm. the knife. 
That I've, that explosive anger with a knife, that's scary. But seething anger with a knife, I, I, I'm there with you on I that. I think I'm going to have to get Angela to utilize blades in our <laughs> lovemaking. Thanks for broadcasting that. Just, hold, hold, it, just hold it to my throat. To my throat. Look, don't judge me. I'm not judging you, Bobby. I'm just saying. I'm talking to the listeners, I know they're judging. Oh no, they're judging you. They are most. I'm not judging you. I love you, but they they're very fickle out there. To clarify how bleak things are seeming. On top of everything else, the only soccer ball in camp has a hole in it. Masato spit booze is running low, Eldridge. Oh shit! And a missionary comes along, and he's like, "Yeah, this is a problem. I got a solution, though." Of course, the missionary brings it up. Uh, what you need is to bring the honeys. To oh, they need to go like get some honeycomb, like get a bee colony. No, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Oh wait, what? Go. what? What the missionary? You Not- gotta, you gotta get the Masaganga Gwenga tribe. They need uh, prostitutes. Even the Dominican padre here advised me very strongly to have them here. Because, as you know, in the neighborhood, we do have two uh, native villages, Machiganga villages, Shivankoreni and Kamisea. And if after months and months of having these people here in the, in the camp, all the workers, mestizos and white people, uh, they might go after the women down in the, in the villages, and that would, would really cause problems. So even the Catholic priest has advised us to have some, some ladies here. Yeah, and then they'll be fine. They won't mind that there's not as much Masada going. Because they can't just patch the soccer ball. So Werner, ta- or they talk. No, it's not Werner. I keep thinking Werner is like. <laughs> yeah. No, kinda, there's another guy that looks a lot no, like. Him. Werner's the subject, the impassioned but angry subject. He actually looks a lot like a friend of ours. Oh yeah. They inquire with the woman about her position, and they mm-hmm. at first they ask us like, "Is this something that like you want to do?" She's like, no, "No, I'm not. I'm not into like their sweaty dicks." Yeah, she was like, "What are you even talking to me about right now?" <laughs> no, I'm tr- I'm out here trying to survive. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, I want well, I want my face down in a bunch of jungle crotch. No, yeah, you moron. No, no, that was a dumb. It was a dumb question. I don't even know why they asked that question. Well, sometimes in the documentary, you got to ask a dumb question to bring out the bigger point. Fair enough. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I'm the judge here. Apparently. I like the part where the kid like just randomly bumps hard into the boat. He's like sitting right on the edge of the boat as this boat is speeding into another boat, and the herder's like, "Hey, kid, you probably want to be okay." And the kid just looks back. I'm good. I love the small moments uh, with the uh, indigenous people that you see throughout this film. Yeah, like I said before, it shows a nice contrast to the narrative that Werner was putting forth in Fitzcarraldo. You get a bigger breadth and understanding of the cultures that exist in that area. Yeah, you do. They bring in a man because they're about to drag this steamship. A man named Martinez. He's a Brazilian engineer. And he's worried that this very crude system they're utilizing, it's got some mechanics to it, but not that deep. Basically a steam engine, or not a steam engine, a uh, tractor. Not a tractor, bulldozer, thank you. Something like that. It's a bulldozer, and these pulleys are literally logs placed in the ground with some rope tied around them. Uh, Martinez is like, if this post doesn't hold, like shit could snap and like, People could die. Many people could die at once. 30% chance that it goes right. So there's a 70% chance it goes wrong. And we're talking, I don't know if you've ever, you know, seen or heard stories about people working in logging or on aircraft carriers. These are giant cables under tension. Depending on how things go, like you can have something snap, all these people holding these pulleys, they can get flung off the pulleys, get launched like rockets, as they say. Or you could have a cable just slice you right in half. Yeah. That's a, the idea of a snapping cable that's so super taut, holding a bunch of stuff together. Yeah, that anything that's that isn't also metal that that's flying towards is going to get sliced through like butter. Yeah, pretty easily. And like shit, like barge work, that is incredibly dangerous work. Yeah, for the reasons like that. Now Martinez quits because he's like, "Yo, bad idea. I can't condone this." Yeah. Also, I'm out of here. Yeah, he quit. Cannot be complicit in this. And Werner goes on. By himself, anyway. <laughs> I mean, with his team of people. But you know what I'm saying. He forges on without an engineer. Now, the Native people realize this is incredibly dangerous. And they, discussing amongst themselves, were like, yo, if some of us have to die, then the guy who owns the ship, Werner Herzog, yeah. he should probably die, too. He should probably get down. Yeah. It almost seems like they're like, if this goes bad, we're slitting this dude's throat. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. We don't see it in the film, but Werner said... 
that at some point, some of the natives, I guess they had an is- had issues with Klaus Kinski mm-hmm. and like asked Werner if they wanted to. He's like, you want us to kill him? Oh, and Werner's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't, don't and Werner just... says sometimes at times he would regret saying no. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> now the boat is moving and we see Kinski celebrating in the shot where his character is Fitz- Fitzcarraldo. But the meddling coupling, the metal coupling breaks, and that few feet the boat moves, it just slides right back. Yeah, luckily it wasn't catastrophic failure. It was more of a. Now, when they were dragging muddy bodies out, were you like, "Oh my god, they got killed"? I thought they died too, but apparently they just fell down. And no, they, they were, were actors. Yeah, like, what? Is they were happening? acting, playing dead. But I thought that too. I was like, "Oh my god, did a few people actually die?" Doing That's what that? I thought too. It was like this been here all over again. This ship. Much like the other ship gets stuck. Werner has run out of money. No backers. This is the point. Everything is completely bleak as hell. It looks like Werner shot a lot of things for this film, but he has not finished shooting the part where he actually dragged the, the quintessential part of both Burden of Dreams and Fitzgeraldo. <laughs> yeah. The getting the boat over the fucking mound. The money shot, as they call it. And I've played this quote before on past episodes. But this is the port where Werner says shit like... Kinski always says it's full of erotic elements. I don't see it so much erotic. I see it more full of obscenity. It's just... And nature here is vile and base. I wouldn't see anything erotical here. I would see fornication and asphyxiation and choking and fighting for survival and growing and just rotting away as he's just saying all this shit we see like a snake being killed by the indigenous folk of course there's a lot of misery but it is the same misery that is all around us the trees here are in misery and the birds are in misery i don't think they they sing they just screech in pain and then like um cleaning a, a dead parrot butterflies mating it's an unfinished country it's still prehistorical the only thing that is lacking is, is the dinosaurs here. It's like a curse weighing on an entire landscape. And whoever goes too deep into this has his share of that curse. So we are cursed with what we are doing here. It's a land that God, if he exists, has, has created in anger. It's the only land where, where creation is unfinished yet. We see an ant carrying around a, a parrot feather yeah. and frogs, various nature shots. Taking a close look at, at what's around us, there, there is some sort of a harmony. It is the harmony of overwhelming and collective murder. And we, in comparison to the articulate vileness and baseness and obscenity of all this jungle, uh, we, in comparison to that enormous articulation, we only sound and look like badly pronounced and half-finished sentences out of a stupid suburban novel, a cheap novel. While Werner goes on this tirade. Snakes. And we have to become humble in front of this overwhelming misery and overwhelming fornication overwhelming growth and overwhelming lack of order even the the stars up here in the in the sky look like a mess there is no harmony in the universe we have to get acquainted to this idea that there is no real harmony as we have conceived it he's really going off on this natural environment this might be when Werner has hated nature the most. When I say this, I say this all full of admiration for the jungle. It is not that I hate it, I love it. I love it very much, but I love it against my better judgment. Shut up, man. <laughs> it's like, this is nature, this is the most perfect representation of nature you'll ever see, and there's nothing unfinished here, you European. What did we say? Is were we were we reclaiming cuck? Did we say that in this podcast? Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can, we can was, cuck those who 
first start. We'll we'll cuck the people yeah. who threw cuck at us before. Yes, we are reclaiming cuck for ourselves. It's not no shame in it. Yeah, but, when you want poor people to kind of get their place and be able to, you know, yeah. have like dignity, uh, then you're a cuck. Well, the cuck's going boomerang yeah, right boomerang back. Boomerang right face. back, coming at you. But no, I was so irritated with Werner because throughout this movie, I felt planned abysmally poor. I mean, step after step in his process, you could see he just didn't either care enough to research, to hire the right people to research, or whatever it was. He just didn't plan thoroughly enough for what he was doing. His dreams are the research, Aldridge. Oh my God. (laughs) I was, everything he's complaining about was his own fault. (laughs) His own fault. But here we are. It's this unfinished land. The harmony of overwhelming and collective murder. To me, this whole film that he was trying to make was this distillation of noble, savage, untouched land, European myth about any place that isn't Europe or Mm -hmm. some previously well-developed place. It's interesting you say that. I feel like people from so-called civilized parts of the world, they really over-glorify sometimes places they haven't been to. But but there's and I think the other turn of that, maybe from the ultra right wing perspective, is that only thing that's good is what's here. It's almost like a weird extremity when reality every place has its own fucked up bullshit. It's just a matter of what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. Can we just all admit that every place sucks unless it's your place and it's passably okay? Yeah. (laughs) Every place probably has something that is great and is lame. Yeah. There's no need to make these people out to be these noble savages in this beautiful, untouched land. Human beings, man. And you know what? They dream. <laughs> but you're... <laughs> every, so- every time I say dream, Eldritch rolls I, I just can't stop. It's- I, I don't like it because it's so artsy-fartsy. Completely involuntary, I swear to God. <laughs> every time he says it, dreams. I just, I just rolled my eyes at myself for saying it. There's two Herzog-centric docs with the word dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, in it this month. So you're saying this the steamship is cucking Herzog. Oh, it's cucking him hard. It's giving That's a hard cuck to the face. So the 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 movie is like Werner's wife. Yeah, and yeah. Werner and the steamship is like anywhere between one to five African American men. Yeah, that's generally how the uh, films play out. And they're getting in it. It's cucking the shit out. Just of hardcore cucking. So Werner takes. <laughs> oh God! Wait. <laughs> <laughs> He takes the other <laughs> ship. He has, because remember, he has one more ship. Yeah. And he just rolls it down towards the rapids. Just fuck it, we're rolling. Now, the way this was shot, it still seems like this blew my mind in the movie because in Fitzcarraldo, this ship looks like a fucking toy mm-hmm. just bouncing around in this. And I thought for a second that maybe they used to scale small model. <laughs> yeah, it did look like that. Just the way the waters are throwing this thing around. It's like, but based on what Les Blank is showing us in burden of dreams here people were on that boat yeah they were there while it was doing that that blew my fucking mind i know the intensity of dragging that ship across yeah but there really were some intense waters going on and i i remember watching fitzcarraldo was like oh there's no way people are on that boat in that scene and you get why there were people on that fucking boat (laughs) yeah and i guess klaus missed a certain point Werner is desperate to get a shot correct Regard and people are or aren't allowed to open a certain door. Yeah. He's very much micromanaging, and one of the producers gets his hand cut. Which, God, they're lucky it wasn't worse than yeah. that. It that would have been nothing to get flung off this fucking thing boat. Tossing around, there's no weight in this boat. There's nothing to keep it remotely steady. This ship runs aground. <laughs> oh boy, does it run aground multiple times. Stuck until the river rises again, and at this point. Werner's like, if I believed in the devil, I would say the devil was right here and is still right here. It becomes very questionable because uh, people have lost their lives. People have been in a plane crash and five of them in critical condition. One of them paralyzed. And those are all the costs that you have to pay. It could have hit me or anyone. And one starts to question the the profession itself. One of his most clarifying moments, perhaps. (laughs) Maybe. But if he um, did this, would we even have a Herzog moment? What what are your plans when this movie's all over? What are you going to be doing? 
I shouldn't make movies anymore. Should go to a lunatic asylum <laughs> right away. Maybe for a little while, but yeah. then come back. Yeah, everybody needs a break sometimes. Nowadays, Werner's films are, there's still some adventure to them, but it seems like he's a lot more objectively respectful instead of trying to force yeah. things. But man, he had a vision. And I definitely understand that that tunnel vision to get shit done. I kind of, when I'm trying to do something, sometimes I could be a bit of a tyrant too. Mm-hmm. Boy, do we all know. But then the film's like, well, funds later come and the last shot was finally completed because all yeah. they had left to do was to yeah. actually finish pulling the boat, which I'm imagining was just sitting there for however much long until Werner came back yeah. with money. And I wrote in my notes, cows in a field. I forget what that's referencing. I make films because I have not learned anything else. And I know I can do it to a certain degree. And it is my duty, because this uh, might be the, the inner chronicle of what we are. And we have to articulate ourselves, otherwise we would be cows in the field. And that's that film, Burden of Dreams by Les Blank and Marine Gosling. Oh boy, that was, that was a journey. Those dreams were a burden, weren't they? God, I wish I could stop rolling my eyes. <laughs> but you know what? Werner got it done. And he did get it done. No one died except for that plane that crashed, but you can't really... That, you can't blame him for that. No, That's the not planes his fault. just crash. Yeah, planes crash all the time. Well, they crash <laughs> all the time. Eldridge, for this 99th episode of The Documenteers, we don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale. We rate them in the vile fornications of the Herzog rating scale. <laughs> You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. Combine them like a, like a steamship run aground and still there 40 years later for best out of 10 vile fornicating Herzog. All right. Well, I'm going to go through the whole thing, what I was feeling about this, because honestly, I didn't know my rating until I sat down at the desk. Let's walk through it a little bit. Hope you don't mind. Please. So this isn't really one of those documentaries where you're looking for all this amazing cinematography. I think what makes this documentary stand out for me is that it is good at setting tension. And I feel like the whole documentary was nothing but tension with these little moments of release, which I think is how most of the people in the crew felt because there was things happening the whole time that were very tense. Uh, so that was really nice for me, actually. I, I like to feel something when I watch a documentary or a movie. So I felt that tension. And I felt the sadness of what was happening for these people because there are lots of talk about border disputes, the plight of these indigenous people. And I got a small window into their lives, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting a documentary about a film, but instead I got this mini sort of anthropological showcase of the small segment of people that worked on this film. And I found that to be powerful. And I don't know, I, you don't see that every day. And especially since indigenous people are vanishing from this planet, at least in their original way of life. So that was great to see that. Werner Herzog was very problematic about this whole thing for me. The whole okaying prostitutes, pretty much sending a group of people to go hunt down whoever like started shit with them, all of that. It was pretty rough. But with all of that... Hey, I'm an easy, I'm an easy grader, so I'm, I'm gonna have to give this one a five. Wow! I'm giving it a five. I felt wow. felt a lot of things. I felt a lot of emotions. I thought this was interesting in a way that I haven't been interested in a documentary since probably I don't know. I haven't. I can't think of a documentary that interested me in this way because yeah. of the the indigenous component. I hadn't even considered that being something that was gonna happen. Yeah, and you know the indigenous components also exist in other Herzog films. But Les Blank and Marine Gosling kind of showed another side to that layer that he was trying to accomplish. And they showed it in a way that was a lot more straightforward. Respectful. Yes. It wasn't like exploitive in any way. Not at all. It was very normal to question the exploitive methods of those who were in the process of making this film. I can imagine it's a hard road to navigate. I kind of feel sympathetic to some of Herzog's positions. This tribe wants this. They've had it this way for so long. Should I give them the schnitzel <laughs> and the, uh, what do you call the little, uh, the dumplings, the potato dumplings? They're delicious. Can't spatzel. Think yes. The, the, should we share the spatzel with them? I could kind of understand why he's hesitant about it. And 
uh, I guess I should uh, bring this woman around for them all to have sex with, I yeah. guess. I could see him doing it, but in his brain being like, uh. But at the same time, Werner's got tunnel vision. He's got something he wants to do. I can see the questions deserve to be asked in, yeah. those, in those scenarios. I mean, the world's kind of dirty sometimes. World's always dirty, Bobby. Even the the stars up here in the in the sky look like a mess. And the dirty, <laughs> dirty in this film was very impressive. The way everything was represented. It's a movie that is about making a movie, but it's also a adds another layer to the themes that maybe you didn't catch when watching Fitzcarraldo itself. It's pretty unforgettable. So Eldridge. I don't think there's anything quite like this film. And the story of this film is pretty goddamn fascinating. But I agree with you. Five out of five hurt songs. Cue the Ooh. TLC. Yeah! I love this song so much. I was driving this. And that's that film, 10 out of fucking 10, for Burden of Dreams by Les Blank and Maureen Gosling. That's me clapping. And that does it for the <laughs> Noinu Noinzig. I think, is that how you say 99? Yeah, I think that's right, actually. Episode of The Documenteers. Eldridge, thank you. Hey, you're welcome, buddy. Stay sweet. Hope you had a great summer. Mm. Keep on docking. There we go. <laughs> called ecuador of course because it's the equator runs right through the fucking middle of it i thought it was just because they had to you know take a lot of equate equate the equate what does that do it's like a uh over-the-counter sort of thing right what is it what does it give you diarrhea or... i mean everything gives me diarrhea so I have to be careful. Don't you yell at me. I, I, that was not a yell. He he yells all the every time he yells, he edits it out. Just this raging <laughs> yelling. He's probably I, gonna edit this out. I yell out the punches and the yeah. emotional abuse. I'll be lucky if this makes any well, sense. Well, well, you gotta. I know it's harsh, but it takes a lot to to keep this kind of thing going. Oh, I swear to God, the show is just this man's vanity project. I'm gonna get it for saying this, we're, but. Oh, we're almost at 100 episodes. <laughs> I had to break a few eggs and legs to get here. Yeah, it's eggs, Bobby. Eggs, not legs. Okay. I'm you got to break a few eggs. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. You got to break some legs to make an omelet. I think that's how the saying goes. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm afraid.